Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to another enlightening episode of Aligned and Thriving, your go-to destination for holistic wellness and a journey towards optimal health. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy Bullimore, and whether you're a first-time listener or returning friend, we extend our heartfelt thanks for joining our community. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to stay tuned for future episodes, and be sure to connect with us on social media for latest updates. Joining me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, Dr. Anthony Evans, and we also welcome back Aaron Mitchum from Analog Counseling to talk to us about emotional stress. Part three on our three-part series on stress. Stay tuned. Well, I want to welcome uh, Aaron Mitchum back to the show. This is a, our third of a third part series on stress. Uh, we talked about physical stress, chemical stress, and now today we're unpacking emotional stress. And so we wanted to bring in Aaron Mitchum, uh, who's a licensed professional counselor, owner of Analog Counseling, um, to kind of go a little deeper. You know, we got there a little bit before in the first podcast. So definitely go back and uh, listen to our first podcast with Aaron. Um, but today we're hoping to go a little deeper and talk about emotional stress. So Aaron, thanks for getting back on the podcast with us. Yes. And it's not too stressful to be here. So thanks for having me. <laughs> well, we hope not. I mean, that's, we certainly don't want to create more. Yeah. Stress. We're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot if, uh, if that is the case. Yeah. Um, okay. So what I, well, first thing I want to, I want to talk about Aaron is I went back and I listened to our previous episode. And one of the things that you had talked about was that emotions are homeostatic. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. when I think of homeostasis, I think of trying to find a sense of balance but I also feel in the musculoskeletal space, we never fully achieve homeostasis. Like it's, right. it's this nebulous thing that we're always working towards. And once we get somewhat there, we go another direction and we're off balance. And then again, we're trying to fight. So it's, it, I guess I'm trying to paint this visual picture of a, of a ship kind of, you know, floating in the sea, kind of ebbing and flowing, essentially kind of back and forth. Um, yeah. How does that how, explain that? Elaborate a little bit about that. Absolutely. I, that's a really great point. I'm actually so glad you brought that up. Um, oh. Especially, oh. oh, especially in our culture, <laughs> which I think can skew towards like, what's the perfect thing to do or like right. what's what's you know like what's the magic bullet um so i think of it very similarly um whether you know whether or not you can actually ever totally achieve peace i mean that's probably not and but it, is is that truly the goal as much as as the process of it is the goal you yeah know? so there's this idea out there of we don't really like take uh, chess or 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 games playing soccer or whatever for example the idea is that we don't really care about winning as much as we care about playing 
because we have to kind of let ourselves think like it's going to matter to us to get that trophy, but that trophy moment is really fleeting. What's not as fleeting is the process of playing the game, which is really where we have enjoyment. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing when it comes to emotions. Um, it's not so much about like achieving peace forever or something like that. It's about mm-hmm. being in, being present and being in, in tune and noticing where we are on that pendulum or on that yeah. Peter totter that you were describing. And it's like, oh, okay, this is telling me what I need to do to adapt. And that's really what the homeostasis is about for emotions. It's what is needed to adapt for survival and growth in this moment. Um, so if I'm sad, I want to be able to know that I'm sad, not because there's something wrong with being sad because I'm not at peace, but because it tells me something about what this moment means and what mm-hmm. I want to biologically express and relationally get going so that I can feel better and adapt and not get, you know, uh, swamped by this situation. So kind of enjoy the journey. What's, I I don't remember where I heard that from. It's, it's, you know, enjoy the ride there. Once you get there is, can sometimes be short lived. So enjoy, you know, enjoy the trip, you know, kind of there. So yep. what about if that journey is currently for somebody really stressful or maybe they're noticing that the stress is starting to layer up and, uh, you know, we all have different kind of thresholds where we, we crack. Um, I think mm-hmm. I notice a lot of people carry a lot like an iceberg underneath the surface, you know, and, and maybe they're yeah. dealing with it or coping with it to some degree until something major comes up and then they just kind of fall apart. So uh, I'm curious yeah. to kind of pick your brain on. How do we, yeah, because stress always is going to be out there. There's always going to be life events like you're talking about, and maybe it's, you know, part of the journey and experiencing and being present with the things that are going on and really experiencing the emotions behind these experiences too. But yeah, yeah, what do you suggest for, you know, both somebody, I think there's two kind of categories that come to mind. There may be many more, but, um, you know, obviously an acute stressful event in your life, right? That just washes over you, you know, a death in the family right. or a major mm-hmm. divorce or something major like that. But what I yeah. I think I really want to speak to and pick your brain on are more of these like everyday emotional stresses that just accumulate with us. You know, maybe we're not dealing with it or we're not leaning into it or we're not experiencing mm-hmm. it like you're talking about. And uh mm-hmm. I'd love to pick your brain about that and how we can recognize that, how we can maybe organize that in some way that it's not damaging or, you know, to us physically, emotionally, spiritually going forward. Mm. And then maybe, um, you know, what are some solutions that we can do ourselves, maybe with someone like you to really unpack some of that heavier load that a lot of people are carrying. Um, as I work with people in functional medicine, I I see these emotional Mm. components under everything. Right. And so that is the deeper work that has to be dealt with in conjunction with some of the other things that I'm working with. So, um, yeah, we all experience a lot of stuff throughout life. So yeah, I'm curious to see your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing, it's a great question. Like what I'm hearing you say is like, okay, we got two categories of stress, the big time stuff, 
like you listed out and that's important but what about these everyday things too like so they don't like stack up on us and you know end up yeah. tipping us over um without seeing it coming um so i think it's the simplest answer is to really practice being present and the reason i say that is because so much of our life is automated our brains are really designed to be efficient and to keep us alive and yep. um in order to do that it's going to automate as much as it can whenever it can so so much of our life is really on autopilot and we all know that feeling of driving somewhere and then we go like whoa <laughs> what was was i even around for that drive you know right and it's the same thing you know and so we have that automated piece but then we also have the the the, the rush of our culture and our, our jobs and our families and our just the way that our life is really kind of built and we kind of need to be a little subversive to the normal by building in um times to get present and you don't have to go away on a meditative retreat to do this just as simple everyday kinds of stuff one thing you can do is you can notice your breath um you can simply count your breath you can notice it going in going out you don't have to do anything it's not magic it's not special it's just simply coming present so that you're less in automatic and more in present. And the reason you want to be in present um, is because then you can be in tune with what you're feeling in that moment. Uh, we actually won't have many feelings or notice feelings when we're in automatic mode um, as far as, uh, like, I think I might have said this before, but you, you're not going to really notice going down the hall, going down the stairs, for example, until the stairs are icy. Um, then you're going to have a feeling about stairs. You're going to feel afraid because you're going to start feeling unsure of your footing, and then you're going to get present because you're going to have to feel your way through this moment, where normally you're just going to be on autopilot. Hmm. Well, if you can kind of help yourself slow down in other ways, let's say you're in a meeting and you're in autopilot, because we all have autopilot in the meeting, how we react, how we don't react, how we hold our bodies, how we you know, feel how we don't feel. Um, I think this is uh, really true. And so um, if we can get more present in the meeting, we might notice um, feelings that are adaptive and feelings that aren't so adaptive. So we're maybe normally we would get anxious, but it's actually no reason to be anxious. So if we're present, we might be able to dial in and realize there really is no, that's an automatic reaction I'm having. There's no reason right. to be afraid right now. So we mm -hmm. might, our bodies will know what to do when all of a sudden we can let go of fear. We don't have to worry necessarily about like knowing quote unquote what to do because there's so much our bodies and minds will know what to do once we kind of get in the right place. But we also might find out that there is fear here that is adaptive. We might realize this person is not treating me very well. This, this person is not saying something appropriate or this person is... Um, Asking me to do something that I'm not comfortable with. And that's an appropriate fear that we want to adapt. Not appropriate because I don't want to put judgment of good or bad on it. But more, I want to say adaptive fear. It tells us something about our sustainability here. We go down that road um, with this thing um, that's really not something we're comfortable or ready to do or whatever. Well, then we're going to be not listening to a fear that's going to help us, you know, take a left turn here that, that would really be good for us. So. Um, that's one thing about stresses is if we're not tuned into being present, 
we won't necessarily be able to feel what we're feeling about that moment. And we might not realize the adaptive things we need to do, which could include take a break, which could include get some water, which could include go outside, which could include get off a screen, which could include straighten up. You know, it could include <laughs> that I just did. Yeah, it can, it can include all of these things. So um, I think that's the biggest thing that comes to my mind is there's lots of things on, you can go online, talk to people like yourselves, people like me, in terms of the tools to get present. Um, the, the, you know, there's all kinds of podcasts, all kinds of things about that. The, the goal is to get present so you can then be in touch with what you're feeling because your feelings will tell you what's adapted for the stress that you're having in that moment, if that makes sense. The first thing that comes to my mind when you say that is, is grounding. And Tony, mm-hmm. you've, we've had some side conversations in the office about, you know, going out and taking your shoes off and touching the grass with your feet and, and feeling the ground. And, and there's, I mean, gr- whether well, those grounding mats, didn't you say they're. Yeah. There's some technology to do that. Or you can just, like you said, get out on the earth. I think that's a good way to kind of discharge it back into the earth. Um, I love the Aaron that you're talking about just creating some space and some time to regularly get present with yourself right and initially when you start talking about being present i'm thinking being present with your environment the people around you which i think is Mm. important but actually creating an opportunity to kind of get current with where you're at yeah what's going on to understand how do i really feel what's my yes you know emotional state right now not in the future you know past or all those kind of things we may be thinking about Mm -hmm. but just where we're currently at to kind of recalibrate ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that's harder to do than we're saying sometimes for people yes, yeah. able to make time and to actually do yes. that. And then um, maybe to try to accept the emotions that we're having in that moment too. Right. Like that's a, that's, that's exactly a challenge right. I think for people too, to go, wow, I'm, Oh yeah. I'm actually feeling whatever, you know, and right. is that okay? Or can I feel that, you know, or should I feel that? Or should I let it myself feel that? Mm-hmm. So how do, how do you, how do you suggest that people kind of do that once they create a space and a time to do it? Now they might experience something, you know, is there an acceptable way to do that? Or I know breath work and meditation, those kind of things can kind of help you get present, but yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really, really important question. And I'm really glad you asked it. Um, first, I want to share just a little bit, of, uh, just just one tool that I often teach everybody that was taught to me in my training and with somatic experiencing that can be help, helpful to get present. And you can do it. No one really has to even notice that you're doing it. And you can do as much as you want. Uh, it's called orienting. And uh, they teach that about 80% of our uh, intake is through, through visual. And so... Um, you can probably use it all any five sense of the five senses you wanted to do this, but visual is what I'm going to talk about here because it's such a big one for us. Um, and really what you do is, you, is you're trying to shift your attention um, from noticing inward to noticing outward. Um, you'll come back to the inward when you're, when you've given, but this is, gives your nervous system a chance to have a break to reset. And so by shifting your attention from thinking and feeling and noticing what's going on inside, to simply trying to not think, which can be hard, 
and notice the environment. And you want to look maybe left to right or right to left, up and down really slowly. You can turn your heads or just your eyes. And just let your eyes go where they want. Uh, just stop and focus on whatever they want. And uh, it could be a color, a texture, an object, a light, whatever. It doesn't matter why. You don't have to know why. You're just simply giving 30 seconds, a minute, to your eyes to be able to take in the environment. One thing that probably does for you is let your system know you're not in a place of threat. Um, sometimes people go, well, my room's super messy and it stresses me out. Great. Don't look at it. Use a different sense. You know what I mean? That's fine. Um, but so that's orienting. And then you can come back and do that check-in with yourself like we're talking about. Like, hey, what am I feeling? What, what's going on? But in terms of your question, for some people, getting present is going to feel relieving. And they're going to just be like, oh, yes, so good. I totally am feeling this. And they're going to have no problem knowing about that. Um, or they're going to go, oh, my gosh, why didn't I realize my margins are like razor thin right now? I need to say no to this and no to that and no to that. But for a lot of us, um, it's, it can actually activate feeling threatened because the automatic mode we are in was actually a self-protective kind of mode. Mm -hmm. So um, when we start to slow down exactly what you were describing, we might realize that we're feeling something that we don't want to know that we're feeling because it feels too vulnerable to us or makes us feel dumb or makes us feel inadequate or makes us feel insecure or so on. Um, and so the first step is, is sometimes to change the channel. Um, and it may be like, okay, so I like to use this Cybam. I think I might have said it last time. S-I-B-A-M. Again, this comes from Peter Levine's Somatic Experiencing. Sensations is S. Imagery is I. B is behavior. A is affect or emotion. And M is meaning. Well, a lot of times we're in the meaning channel trying to figure out what does this mean or think about what is the narrative here. And sometimes we're in the emotion channel going like, oh, I can't feel afraid. It's not okay. It's not safe to feel afraid. So try changing the channel. Go to your sensations. Go to the body. I just want to see what, what's this in the vibration in my chest. Tight, loose, hot, cold. What are my toes like when I wiggle them? Where do I feel activation? Where do I feel at peace? And I just stay with my body and see where that leads me. That might bring up some awareness, something to my, because the, the brain likes to, to process from the bottom up. So if you start with stuff that's, that's located in the lower parts of the brain and let it churn by not foreclosing it by saying this is not okay or this is okay or having judgment, it might produce awareness of emotions that you feel more comfortable with at that point or thoughts and meaning that are more organic versus trying to wrestle it. Um, so that might be a way of practicing self-acceptance because you're right, you have to have self-acceptance to be able to have self-awareness. Um, and that's a real tricky thing sometimes. Yeah. I remember, you know, talking to people that prior to COVID where they had to commute into work, you know, both directions. And so that gave them yeah. a little bit of windshield time. Right. They could yes. kind of decompress, you know, and they would describe things. You know, we weren't unpacking it quite this well, but they would yeah. describe, you know, it's really hard for me to shift from work to family or work to home yeah. because I'm just stepping out of my office and I'm <laughs> yeah. with the kids, with the family. But I used to drive home and I had 20 minutes and I could kind of 
wrap up the loose ends from the day and, be, and prepare mm-hmm. myself to walk into home with the kids. And so I, I thought about that and, you know, that's a great way to have just a little alone time where you're, you're kind of doing something that's monotonous where you can kind of process, you know? Yeah. And so totally. Uh, there might be better ways to say do that, that about but... therapy. Yeah. <laughs> they love the drive to and from therapy, even though the, yeah. the telehealth is great and I do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people go like, you know, the thing that I do miss is that before and after it actually was this important piece. Yeah. To process everything that just was talked about, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, another one in there is like when start practicing the urge, like one out of five times when you have an urge to pick up your phone, don't. Mm-hmm. And then just let that be a signal. Just see what's going on in my chest. Right. What's right. Going on in my throat. Right. What, what's the ground like? You know, and it takes 10 seconds. So you can check in with yourself, you know, it, you're going to, you're going to grab your phone. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't pretend like you're not. <laughs> But, right. Yeah, I, I love that you're kind of speaking to there. There's a physical experience, a physical effect on the body, the physical body, you know, mm-hmm. behind these emotions and and uh, yeah. using the body to try to unwind this too seems to be pretty powerful. And I know that's what you do with your really somatic work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It seems like sometimes the body doesn't lie, so to speak. You know. <laughs> what about? Uh, sometimes I find that people. You know, I think this, what we're talking about is create some time to kind of get present with yourself and deal with the emotional state that you're in for what's going on. I love yeah. that you're saying, you know, evaluate your environment because maybe the inner world thinks, you know, we're in immediate danger, we're going under, right. but really the, the threat is not there or it's not as big as we think. And that might recalibrate okay. us. Yeah. yeah. I think that our thinking brain sometimes can drive some of these states that just take a, you know, a little hill and turn it into a mountain for us. Um, yes. But what about when people really, when this stuff has really gotten out of control, you know, I do a lot of functional testing and I kind of see the damage or not necessarily damage, but just dysregulation of the body systems when it's been yeah. under chronic stress for a long time and we're trying yeah. to get, you know, the HP access working again and things like that. Yes. Um, yes. What are the things could people do to try to turn back the clock, so to speak, of that chronic stress from a counseling or um, a mindfulness kind of way to help deal yeah. with some of that? That maybe, maybe the cur- maybe the past scenario or situation is no longer there, but it feels like the emotion is still yes. there. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. And it is still there. Um, a little bit to Jeremy's first question. There's a psychiatrist and therapist and well-known author out of UCLA named Dan Siegel. And he talks about the mind as being a river of well-being. And on one shore is rigidity. On the other shore is chaos. And we're kind of in, you know, we're sailing down that river and sometimes we're going to, we're going to drift to one side or the other, but we're, you know, we're we're trying to stay in between the shores, but we're going to, we're going to shipwreck, you know, it's going to be part of life, but we try to have that sense of being in a process for balance. But a lot of times when we do shipwreck in a really significant way, we haven't, we don't have the luxury or the help we need or the potential um, based on the circumstances to truly complete processing whatever the stress uh, is from that event. So that event might have prompted us 
to want to protect ourselves in some ways. Uh, maybe we were in an argument and we wanted to leave the argument, but we didn't feel like we were allowed to. Maybe we, we didn't want to look at someone because they were, they felt intimidating or uh, maybe we wanted to, to really stare someone down because they, we felt like they were really with, withholding from us or something. And we didn't get a chance to complete something that, that was set off biologically. Um, and that included emotions because those emotions were trying to prompt us to some kind of action to adapt to whatever we felt we needed to do in that moment. And the good thing about the thinking brain is it can temper the instinctual, raw, emotional brain so that we can live together. <laughs> and right. We have that good society and we can love each yeah. other even when things are hard. Um, so we do want that to slow things down and temper. But we also need to be able to complete what was started sometimes. And that's what happens in chronic stress. Because really, I love Peter Levine's definition of trauma. He gives many definitions. But one of them is self-protective urges or self-protective mechanisms that did not complete, that are waiting to complete. Okay. So coming into therapy, um, practicing yoga, uh, 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 mindfulness meditation, uh, being in really uh, supportive, non-judgmental relationships and conversations, where you can actually feel what you felt when you're processing something, and, and in some ways, complete. You know, maybe sometimes it's as simple as I need to be able to say like something about what happened that is a truth about it for you. And that helps you feel like you, you, can, you can kind of say what you couldn't say then. Sometimes you need to, you have to, uh, so sometimes you, in therapy you work with the memory and you give yourself a different outcome that happened. Um, you help yourself have support where you didn't have support through the imagination, kind of that image channel. And that actually affects the memory, which affects the, the charge of emotion. Um, your brain cannot tell the difference. It's going to react the same to emotional threat as it is to physical threat. And it's going to allow and experiences in the imagination can affect the memories that it's going off of too. So um, in therapy, sometimes we'll go in and we'll, 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 we'll redo an outcome um, emotionally. Um, and that'll affect a, 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 the stress that's constantly impacting our lives. Um, or like I said, sometimes it's just coming to the point of being able to say something you couldn't say or, or imagine yourself leaving a meeting you couldn't leave or um, you got the news when your kids were in the car about something and you couldn't really cry and now you right. can cry. And going back and letting that happen is a way of completing what didn't get complete so that it's no longer repeatedly knocking on the door, if that makes sense. Gotcha. So that does yeah, require I, slowing down, and we often don't slow down. We don't always notice because our system doesn't want to slow down because it remembered that was really overwhelming right. the first time we slowed down. And so having someone with us makes a big difference sometimes. Just a friend to co-regulate. Like we kind of borrow their nervous system because they're not all turned over. And they can stay with us. They don't have to do anything, really. Just right. being an open body with us <laughs> who shows us love is, is enough sometimes. Yeah, that's awesome. I hadn't thought about completing that cycle 
like you were talking about, or uncompleted cycles may be knocking at the door, like you said, that are kind of, or, or, you know, what could be happening too, I think for a lot of people too, is like they're, that stress happened, you didn't deal with it. Now another one comes along, maybe it's yeah, similar. Right. And then you're getting that's this reaction right. to, oh, we boom, knew that was bad, boom, you know, boom. and yeah, you just keep climbing that ladder and that's right. uh, things get worse and worse and then shows up in your life in different ways, you know. Absolutely. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think we can underestimate the value of us showing compassion and love to people too, like in little ways to help that process. Right. Just, you might see someone, they may be stressed and you might be able to notice, I, I noticed that they're stressed and you might be able to just say something to them and says, right. I get it. And uh, that might be really helpful in terms of them being able to, you know, accept themselves. Yeah. A big piece that you're making me think of is it feels like less and less we do you know, human interaction with one another, you know, how powerful that is to be. We know, human. In, yeah. You know, yeah. and spend time with other people that's safe and healing. Yeah. One another. And uh, we're kind of disconnected yeah. with all this technology anymore. But it's hard to do that, you know, to be there and to offer that. Can I share a story I saw at the grocery store the other day? That just yeah. Yes, please. Love it. This, this, so, um, uh, I was at Aldi, and I love Aldi. I actually lived in Germany as a teenager, and that's where I started going to Aldi. And so, having to put in a quarter in the in the in the grocery cart makes <laughs> nice. sense to me. We were um, frequenters so of was, Aldi. Yes, so I was there in the checkout line. And there was a woman over there, and she had two. If they weren't twins, they were super close together, young kids, and they were screaming like they were really doing a good job at screaming. And uh, and you could tell it was starting to stress the store out. And this poor young mom was super stressed out, but you know, she, you've got to bag your s stuff there yourself. And so she's trying to right. figure out how to bag this stuff, but tend to these two kids. And, um, this woman walks over to her, like probably a middle-aged to maybe, you know, a little older woman. And just, I don't know what she said. She did something to her. I couldn't hear as far enough away. Um, and then she just started parenting the kids. She just started playing oh, wow. with them, take care of them. Nothing big. She's just yeah. like saying, take care of the groceries. You got it. Yeah, I got yeah, the kids. Yeah. It, took, it took three minutes. The whole store's temperature right. came down. Right. This woman gets a hand and gets told like, yeah, you, you need some help and I, I've got some help. Right. Yeah. It made it all the difference. Oh, that's awesome that someone did that. It's uh, versus scocking at her, you know? And, yeah. You know, well, exactly. Yeah. Same scenario if you're, you know, you're on an airplane with somebody who has small children, a baby right. is a perfect example of this. The baby's crying. The parents obviously can't go anywhere. There's limited resources likely available to mm -hmm. help soothe said child. And maybe mm -hmm. the child is feeling some pressure from, you know, the cabin change in the cabin pressure. I mean, there's nothing worse than mm -hmm. having another passenger tell the parents that hey can you quiet your kid down like they don't already know that this is a nuisance <laughs> yeah. to everybody oh really in this small <laughs> you know this small chamber uh yeah I, me personally being a parent and traveling with my children when they were younger gives me so much more respect when i am on a plane and i witness you know that scenario and i, I my heart goes out to those parents cuz i know Mm. They're they're like 
embarrassed. They're just really struggling, you know, in that, yes. in that situation. And that's a situation, whether it's the grocery store or the plane, like you described, Jeremy, where they're going to have their nervous system react to the sense of threat. That threat's going to be coming through the volume of their kids, the prediction of, that they've learned, okay, how do people react to kids screaming? Mm -hmm. And then it can get worse. They may see a dirty look. They may, you know, get a, a sideways comment, um, right. you know, whatever. So their system's going to be moving into some zone of fight or flight, and that's going to be a stress that they're going to want to be able to unpack. And guess what? When someone gives that kindness to them, all of a sudden their system goes, actually, it reorients and goes, there's a novel thing happening here, and my threat detection says I don't have to be so worried anymore. And that yeah. can really be um, a big tool for not getting traumatized by the moment. Yeah, that... For me, like hearing this, this makes me, I, I personally need to be more adept to, to, I don't know if it insert myself, but be willing to assist in, you know, kind of when I witness these situations that it's, you know, it's, it's tough. And, and just, you know, just like you said, that little bit of a word and encouragement, uh, you know, distraction of whatever is causing, you know, the stress. If, you know, it's, I should be more willing to, to help, you know, help in any way possible. So. Well, that could be a great moment for the self check-in too, because we may be overwhelmed by the situation and that is okay. There's no right or wrong. There's no okay or not okay that just would be that just is mm -hmm. and so if we're overwhelmed the best thing for us to do is to take care of our systems um so that we can kind of come down doing whatever we need to do so that we're not overly stressed but if we're not overwhelmed and we do have the capacity for that moment then we can be that gift to the people involved hmm. another thing i wanted to bring up with you aaron um you had put out a recent article that I had, was looking over and you were kind of breaking down the differences between, you know, freezing, fighting or fleeing <clears throat> with that sympathetic nervous system <clears throat> response yeah. to stress. And um, yeah. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about kind of each of those categories and how people may find themselves locking into one of those and how to get out of it, so to speak. Um, yeah. You're thinking, what was that article? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. You had a really awesome picture that really. It was the. That. I think I remember that. It was the yeah. fighter freeze. Yeah. Um, yeah. In reference to, I think you're talking like more in the corporate business setting, mm -hmm. meeting, kind of attacked by colleagues or your mm -hmm. boss. And. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. The new, the new, or the lion in our life is usually some relationship mm -hmm. but um yeah so it's using um polyvagal theory um to talk about uh the theory of how our nervous system deals with the experience of threat so um it starts with a threat a threat um assessment so when something new or novel comes into um, our experience whether that's we see something or we hear something or feel something um, we're going to want to orient to where, where, what is that stimulus? What is that thing? What is that sound? What is that person or that situation? And then we're going to want to have a sense of like, how dangerous is it? 
um, oh, it's it's not all that dangerous. Cool. So then we go back to like our regular programming. Oh, it is feeling dangerous. So then we need to uh, engage um, some level of self-protection. And the idea in polyvagal theory is, um, I'm going to use just a really big word and explain it, is that our threat systems are phylogenetically organized, which is just a way of saying like um, there's uh, evolutionary stacking of them. There's an old, there's one that's oldest, there's one that's newer, and there's the newest one. So there's three of them. Phylogenetic. Like phylogenetic. Wow. Yeah. I need to use that in a and, sentence. Uh, <laughs> just so my uh, nervous system has come, my dog's barking because one of my kids is coming <laughs> home from school. There's That's people okay. to take it's, care of them. It's organic. But you may hear some, some organic noise going yeah. on. Yeah. It's very organic. Um, it's it, my very dog's, raw. My dog has just seen something new and it's he's he's responding. His nervous <laughs> he is system's responding. Promoting. But the oldest is um, freeze. But actually, freeze is what we use now as our last result. So I'm going to start with the newest. Um, the newest, the most evolved way we've learned to stay safe is uh, through social connection, community. So that's biologically, our, our, we're going to have more eye contact. Our middle ear muscles are going to be relaxed so we can take in the human voice. Our our heart rate is going to be at a, a not too elevated level and a not too um, uh, shut down level either. Um, we're going to have range of our of our our head, and we're going to have our tone tone of voice be kind of comfortable and social and warm. Um, and so that's when we're in that zone. They they call that. Um, so you you got the. Um, the, the lowest one, which is uh, with that freeze, and you've got fight or flight, and then you've got um, this top one that's more of a social one. I, I'm not going to use the technical names for them, but we can just know what we mean. And um, when you're doing that, you, 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 you feel okay. But then if something's more threatening, you move into fight or flight. That's the second oldest. It still has mobility, and, and we can do something about threat in that situation. Um, so then we might feel the need to that's where our heart's going to go faster we're going to have a metabolic increase blood might flow to bigger extremities so we can be prepared for fighting fighting or fleeing um and that's when we're going to have a sense of like uh okay i really need to take care of this threat and if we can do that um again in a way that's not hurting anyone else but that does allow us to have agency and have a sense of authenticity um, then we'll feel better and we'll go back to our regular programming. But if we're in a situation and we don't feel like we have any social uh, ability to, to be safe in it, we don't feel like we can fight it. Um, again, maybe we're in a work situation and we would get fired if we felt like we went against our boss. Um, we don't feel like we can flee it. We're not allowed to leave the meeting. We're not allowed to leave the building. Then we might find ourselves in our oldest one, which is the freeze. Um, it's a, I'll, call it a, I'll use the technical term, de- dorsal vagal shutdown. And that's where the oldest branch of our parasympathetic nervous system, the unmyelinated branch, um, which just means like it's uh, part of the nerve that doesn't have this fatty sheen on it that makes communication faster. Um, you guys know about that. Uh, so when you're in that, you're going to have a metabolic shutdown. You're going to play possum. You're going to go, you're going to, you're going to, 
hear less, you're going to feel less, you're going to slow down, and you're going to have some level of freeze. And the, really, the idea is that hopefully the thing threatening doesn't see me. Hopefully, either it comes up against me and thinks that I'm dead, and it, and it needs a live prey, or it's going to see me not moving, and, and, not, and it's not going to see me because I'm not moving. So that's sort of like the biological underpinnings of the freeze. But when you're in freeze, you're actually in the highest stress point. The highest stress point is when we're frozen. Um, most people, you might think it's fight or flight, but it's the highest stress point. And the hard thing is, when we start to unthaw, we're going to come out the way we went in. So we're going to have to deal with the fight or flight activation when we come out of the freeziness. And freezy might look like spacing out. It might look like being a little bit um, not quite present or slow or lethargic or like losing train of thought. And when we come out of that, we might actually realize that we're super stressed out and that might overwhelm us again. It might shoot us back into freeze. And this is very common. People ping back and forth between freeze and fight or flight because there's not the help that they need to be able to process the fight or flight energy to be able to then come back into feeling okay again, if that makes sense. So we've got to go through those three layers. Is that a safe way to... Maybe self-assess yeah, to see, freeze. hey, um, yeah, if you're getting to the freeze, mm-hmm. then you know it's it's pretty significant. You're shutting shutting down, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah, if you're shut down, that's okay. There's no right or wrong about it. In fact, you might say it's good because my body knows how to protect me. Whether mm-hmm. or not what I was situation I was in was 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 actually life threatening or not, who cares? All I need to know is that my body does know how to protect me. But how can I start to unthaw? Well. A lot of things we've talked about already, being around a loved one, being in a situation that's not the original activating situation where you can begin to have the space and time and freedom to do that is is one step towards it. You know, we advocate for like movement, exercise and such to kind of put the body through a physical exertion, which is somewhat similar to fighting or fleeing. So that seems to be pretty effective. And I'm wondering, is it still effective if we're in that frozen state or does it going to take something to kind of pull us right. from that frozen state, put some heat on us or something, you know, thaw us out yes. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But just knowing that that might bring us into activation. And so when you do that and don't want to do it too fast, sometimes I'll have people move their arms very slowly or just even um, just check in with their balance, like really slow movements to start to engage because we don't want the system just to go like streaming into the next thing. Okay. Um, and then even if they, if they are moving, sometimes if they're in that and they're noticing they're running or something, you may just try slowing it down and doing slow movements to mm-hmm. start to see if that begins to, like if people are shaking their legs, sometimes I'll say, well, just, just let it do whatever it wants, but really slow it down and notice the, the experience of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that helps discharge it more intentionally. Same thing with your jaw. You carry so much tension in your jaw, slowly opening, moving it side to side, close, you know, that kind of thing. Nice. Hmm. So you've got all that energy. It takes a ton of energy to keep you in freeze. Right, right. And when you come out, you've got to do something to discharge that energy without feeling re-overwhelmed again. It's the long and the short and then that upper level you were talking about, you talked about it being kind of a social state. Is that where a lot of people yes. kind of sit where maybe you, you share with others that you're, you verbalize that you're I'm feeling a little stressed or overwhelmed with this, but you're kind of discharging it so it doesn't succeed to yeah. a deeper level yep. or, okay. That's right. Yeah. That's where you can 
cry and people see your tears and you go, and they go, oh, you're sad. How are you? You know, or whatever, you know, right. or you go, hey, I'm super, I don't think I'm doing okay. Exactly right. what you're saying, Tony. It's like, that's where you can turn to your, your people and you just like, let them know what's up. Right, right. Huh. Gotcha. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you go through the meeting or you go through the day at work um, or you, you go through the day with kids and you, and you need to get to your partner or, you know, right. your friend or afterwards. Your grounding space. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's good. Because when you're in that, that co-regulated space, all of a sudden it's like, okay, I can handle this. It's like you go yeah. from your arms are shaking trying to get that last rep up uh, to somebody spotting you and holding it with you. And all of a sudden you feel that renewed sense of strength. Right. And that's good. I hadn't really pulled apart the fight or flight kind of, we just talked about that sympathetic kind of state as one state, but really kind of identifying the differences between maybe a mild, moderate, severe stress right. response, right? And uh, Yeah, and all of that, even being on a spectrum, like you mean fight or flight, being right. in a range of just kind of barely to yeah. very extreme. Aaron, Go ahead. one question on this, this topic is, like you had talked about, um, like the spotting and the lifting thing. One thing that, that I keep thinking about in this is a sense of touch and having somebody else... Yeah you know, kind of put their hands all upon you and how much of a calming kind of influence or calming that is. Do you find that in these situation, like having your people, you know, place their hands upon you or, or to give you that sense of mm -hmm. comfort helps, you know, get them to that, ah, that safe space totally. faster? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great, great point, Jeremy. Um, of course, everything you need, you want to be with permission and right. your friend is stressed. You don't just want to go over and hug them. You want to like ask them, is it okay? Can or, I give you a hug you right need? now? Yeah. Yeah. But what, yeah. And sometimes it doesn't need to be a full hug. Sometimes just putting a supportive hand on someone's neck, on their leg, on their arm, their foot, you know, hmm. putting your foot next to theirs, coming up and just touching their shoulder can be just a supportive gesture that helps the system. Yeah. I, I feel, Tony, you will agree with this. Like as chiropractors, what we, you know, our, we can't most of the time can't do our job unless our hands are touching people. And, and yeah, the power of, of us just putting our hands on someone, mm -hmm. you know, from, from a pain perspective, I really feel like that just, uh, it just gets gets them that sense of comfort and and gets those pain levels to reduce and and I think there's such a huge there's so much power in that that sense of touch of having another person you know kind of place their hands with permission you know on another individual to helps you know make them comfortable. Yeah, I mean, we're energetic yeah. beings, and so there's something powerful yeah. when you're exchanging energy with one another. You know, and the human touch is pretty yeah. powerful in of itself. And I think, like yeah. what you're saying, Jeremy, is there's a lot of people that don't have a lot of human contact mm -hmm. anymore. You know, and so yeah. there's something intrinsically powerful about that in and of itself. But obviously, appropriately, absolutely, 
you know, accepted yeah. and everything. But um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's worth, it's money well spent uh, to have a regular massage. Yeah. Because of yeah. Body work. You know, yeah. From a, from a body worker, from a licensed person, you know, or, or regular chiropractic work. All the benefits come from those things anyways. Yeah. That's right. Of course. But then the touch is like this super important part of it too. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think there's a lot of value to massage even beyond what people think about going to massage for is just sometimes yeah. too, you get your, you're pampering yourself in a way. It's a, yeah. a form of self love mm -hmm. of like, I'm going to be intentional about loving my body, you know, to some degree. And people yeah. don't invest in that. I think enough, you know, and, Absolutely. We're living in this frame every day, day in, day out, you know, yeah. so we got to take care yeah. of it in a lot of different ways and what we put in it and on it and do to it. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know the details, of this, but I've heard, you know, you need, you need a certain amount of hugs even yeah. <laughs> in, in a day or so yeah. to feel good. So I definitely think, you know, obviously we want appropriate touch, but I definitely think the touch is something right. that can be powerful. Yeah. When I can't, a long time ago, I had looked at a study, and Aaron, you might be more savvy on this, but even a child, right, like that's left in their crib, like if they have no physical contact early yes. on, right, like they don't thrive, yes. they don't make it. No. And so there yeah. is some need for, from that human bonding and connection um, early yeah. on. So I, I think we still need that throughout life. Well, what's the common practice mm -hmm. now? Babies are born, it's instant skin to skin. You know, mm -hmm. to the to the mother, and there's some and there's some literature on that. That's shown there's certain that contact from baby to mother helps boost. Gosh, I I can't remember some some level of hormone helps stimulate. Mm -hmm. um, also, I think milk production for the mother. Oxytocin, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I think there's something yep. in those regards. So, I mean, even in. Yep that early stage of life having that baby mother contact skin to skin it, you know so that sense of touch to be you know yeah 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 Oxytocin, man we're getting deep here person. wow <laughs> yeah yeah deep in the rabbit hole <laughs> yeah i like it i love it what about um uh, trying to think there was a few other things you had mentioned early on um kind of getting back to that just emotional stress state that most people are living in. I think you really yeah. shared a, a, quite a few different ways that I think we need to pay, kind of tune in to where we're at, be present with ourselves and what's going on. Um, yeah. Where, what are your thoughts on meditation and some of the meditation practices as a tool? I love meditation. Um, sometimes it feels like meditation can be a way of detaching. And sometimes it feels like meditation can be a way of being present. And so, um, I just find that I try to, I tend to, uh, gravitate towards the, the kind that's more about mindfulness and about being present. Okay. Um, personally, um, but, uh, I think there's some great apps, you know, I think the Headspace app is pretty great. Um, there's another one. And I can't remember the name of it right now. If I reached forward and grabbed my phone, I could, I could tell you what the name of the <laughs> app is, but, uh, um, he's, it's from one of the, the bigger names in, in terms of meditation. Uh, but, uh, I, I think it can be extremely helpful because again, it's about getting present and about, de uh, coming out of automation, 
knowing what's going on inside, knowing what's needed and adaptive, and observing without having to react. And that can really allow some things to work themselves out. Is there a sweet spot as far as time? You know, is, can somebody get the same benefits doing, you know, mindfulness meditation for two minutes as, you know, 15? And I mean, I think the longer the better, but, it, you know, I don't know. What, what's your, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I think of it this way. Um, it, you really just want to start with whatever helps you start. Yeah. Um, when I'm supervising therapists who are new, um, the first thing I say to them is like, just do whatever you need to do to not be anxious yourself. That's like the starting point. It's kind of the same thing with, with um, meditation. It's like, just do whatever you can do and see where that leads you. You're going to know if it feels good and you're doing one minute and you want to try two minutes of quiet, you know, mm -hmm. you know if that feels good. In 10 minutes is going to feel good. Um, and you're, I think having guided meditation in the beginning is helpful, like an app or a recording or something, because it helps you not just get feel lost and like kind of have a sense of what you're trying to do. And then over time you can do your own thing. But um, five minutes versus 20 minutes. I 100% believe there's research on that. I just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, you know, the same adage is what I tell people as far as, you know, exercise. It doesn't, you know, what's the best exercise? Whatever exercise you can do consistently and you find enjoyment out of. And exactly. starting with one minute, if it's one minute walk, then can you repetitively consistently do that? And can you expand upon yeah. that? And you know, it's not going to the gym for two hours and crushing some weights if that's not what you want to do. It's whatever you feel that's right. motivated to to do that elevates your heart rate. So cool. That's right. That's love right. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found that to be really helpful for people. I, I you know, and th this next, you know, I've also found heat and, and cold exposure to be helpful in my life. I know that can be kind of a popular mm -hmm. thing right now, um, but there's lots of good research on it. Um, mm -hmm. Peer reviewed research um uh, so people can dive into that as they want and you need to check with your doctor and stuff and see what your system can handle if you're going to use some extreme things like colder heat but the cold um, plunge the cold plunge or sauna and things like this there's lots of good good literature on that on how that can affect emotion well-being too yeah awesome aaron is there anything else you want to add that uh you want to throw in there or do we cover it pretty well uh yeah no mind. you guys this is awesome i mean the biggest thing about stress is like i think it starts with being presence and self-acceptance if you can do those two things if you can decrease your own judgment on yourself and increase your own awareness of yourself i think there's so much inside that'll guide you from there yeah it's kind of this journey of trying to be authentic with yourself right and accept it where you're at what you're dealing with is real kind of yeah. owning that yeah yeah Love it. Maybe if you're gonna add a third thing, you know, decrease isolation. So mm. increase who you're yeah, connected yeah, yeah. to in your life. Be around people. And that includes opening up to people. You know, as a as a guy, and this is not to be heteronormative or something, but I know that a lot of times it's been hard for me in my life to really utilize my friendships until I got a little older and realized if I don't, 
other relationships in my life will suffer. Yeah. So open up to your friends um, and let them know what's going on in your life. That's another part to decrease stress. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There's, you probably have a lot of people in our lives around you that can assist you in your healing that if you let them, you know. Yeah. Let them know. I think a that's right. Bit. Yeah. But if not, you know, or they want somebody that's a, is a master at this, I think you're a perfect person to uh, seek out, you know, to help guide them through it. Or maybe they have a lot of these past traumas, like you've talked about mm-hmm. before, that's going to take some, it's going to take some time and some work and some guidance. And I definitely would want somebody to, you know, walk that journey with you if you were dealing with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, absolutely. Wow. And, you know, and, that's the thing about therapy. If it's like someone wants to come work with whoever, me or whoever, and it's not a good fit. This city has a lot of therapists. Whether you're yeah. watching this, 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 this inside of our city right. or not, um, there's a lot of therapists out there right now. So uh, you should be able to be directed to one that does work. Nice. Sure. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Aligned and Thriving. Thanks for tuning tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe on our social channels. Thanks for uh, We'll see you next time. Thanks, sir. See you guys. Thank you.